This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Hello there, how you doing? It's uh, Kevin Riley here, and welcome to Manawatu People's Radio in Palmerston North. And uh, I just hope you all keep well. And you know, it's been an amazing spell of good weather we're having. Pretty hot at times, but I, you know, if it comes between the hot and the cold, I think I prefer the the heat because you can always escape from that. Whereas the cold is just kind of numbs you and it's with you all the time. Anyway, 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 uh, I'm going to read a, a little bit of Irish news here. And, uh, you know, maybe go out and talk to one of the boys, have a bit of crack, as they say. Anyway, we've got this is the Oscars, as you're no doubt aware. Uh, Irish Goodbye nominated in the short film category. North Ireland Film and Irish Goodbye has been nominated for an Oscar in the short, uh, short film category. Uh, Irish Language uh, has been in, uh, nominated, the Irish Language uh, movie has been nominated for the Best International Feature Film. The Banshees, of course, uh, has nine nominations, including, uh, again, Best Actor for uh, Colin Farrell. Uh, and uh, Martin McGaw has been uh, nominated for the Best Director for The Banshees. Uh, what have we got here? An Irish Goodbye tells the story of two estranged brothers who come together after their mother's death. The film was shot completely there in London, Derry, Temple Patrick and Sainfield, just out of Belfast. Uh, as well as being nominated in the short film category, it has been nominated for the ba- for a BAFTA uh, Best uh, British Short Film. A speaking of Northern Ireland uh, News, Northern, uh, Northern Ireland News, BBC News, I should say. Shortly after it was news, Ross uh, White said he was blown away by the fact that they'd been nominated for the Oscars and BAFTAs, etc., uh, everyone here put their heart and soul into the movie and there was much, so much enthusiasm and love put into it. I think that's what makes it really uh, resounding with audiences. Ireland's best haul ever. Uh, is, you know, is a, this Irish movie is the first to be nominated and they've, they've had a record number of uh, you know nominations for in the Oscars in the Irish film industry. So they're doing well at the moment, I would seem. But that's the way it is, eh? you know, you sort of you win some, you lose some, but uh, come see, come saw. Anyway, if, uh, this is not good news. Argos, all those, uh, the family stores, in which I used to frequent when I was back in Belfast myself and in Dublin. Argos is to close all its stores in the Republic of Ireland at the end of this June. Argos is owned by Sainsbury's and has 34 outlets in the Republic of Ireland. And it, it's sort of uh, Argus is a retailer of general merchandise products, including toys, technology, and consumer electronics. The statement from the company said the decision to leave the Republic had followed careful consideration and a thorough review of its business and operations in the country. Argus operates a bespoken model in the Republic of Ireland that is different to its UK stores. The company said there would be no change in the retailer's operations in Northern Ireland, Scotland, England, or Wales. Uh, it says Scotland was performing well in the, all of its UK stores. The company is proposing an enhanced redundancy package for staff that goes well beyond its statutory obligations. Good on them. It said a small uh, number of staff uh, not eligible for redundancy under 
Irish law would receive a one-off goodwill payment. Aren't they doing the decent thing? Good on them. We had not made this decision lightly and we are doing everything we can to support those impacted. On behalf of everyone in Argos, I would like to thank all our colleagues, customers, suppliers and partners for their support in our business over the, over the years. Customers in Ireland uh, will no longer be able to pay for orders via the Argos website or place orders via its home delivery uh, service after the 22nd of March. Orders placed on this uh, gate will continue to be fulfilled and customers will be able to receive products online and pay for them in store until the end of that month. So that's pretty uh, sad, actually, because Argus were quite a large uh, store and they were sort of, you know, they were okay. They were a good place to shop and they had a lot of stuff online. So what have we got here? We've got this Donoghue's reputation lies in tatters. This is from Mary Lou MacDonald from Sinn Féin leader. Pascal Donoghue's ministerial reputation lies in tatters. Um, she said uh, the, the Doyle, the, the parliament, and you know, the leader's questions. Her remarks prompted a heated exchange between Leo, who accused her of hypocrisy, as he highlighted a series of... Uh, Issues related to Sinn Féin. Ms. McDonald claimed Mr. McDonald had engaged in, in an exercise of concealment and cover up from the start to the finish. So that's really going. Sinn Féin also got uh, sort of not done, but there were sort of a number of their uh, you know donors or donations were also exposed as not being sort of uh, not so much paid for, but being. Uh, Mentioned, etc., etc., in the declaration of you know assets and interest of the uh, the, the party of during the election. So what have we got here? This is um, Mr. Donoghue again. He was uh, going to be he's in, could be in serious trouble because he was lined up for a, a senior position in the European Union. You know, because Ireland at present is the only English speaking country in the European Union. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Anyway, back to housing. There's going to be uh, a property loans company in London is to back the development of a block of student flats in Belfast worth £24 million. Uh, Puma Property Finance is funding, uh, providing the funds for the English company uh, Vita Group for its proposed 269 rooms on a street uh, on a site in Bush Street. That's up by Queen's University, by the way, if you know, you know, Belfast at all. It's up there in the Malone Road area. The site was originally developed by Country Tyrone Company uh, to be made ready for students in time for September this year. The group said its location was convenient between Queen's and the city centre, which is true. According to the group, it will offer the very best student uh, living experience, including private dining, study rooms, gyms, and a daily events roster, promoting physical and mental well-being. It's a buzzword now, isn't it? Mental well-being. A few years ago, it was unheard of. Now it's a buzz. Uh, Kevin Davison, Managing Director of Prima Property Finance. We're delighted to support this development and what we hope will offer the best in-class service to Belfast, bustling, bustling student population. This development will represent... Uh, Vita's de- uh, debut and expand and expansion into Northern Ireland. Vita is already well known for providing significant amounts of amenity space in comparison to other developers, and this will carry across to its latest Belfast development. Moreover, with reports of widespread student accommodation shortages creating the challenges across the EU, we are proud to continue our ongoing efforts to support development of this nature. 
around 10 new blocks of student accommodation have been completed in Belfast in recent years in a risk to cater for students, including those at the new Ulster University campus in the city centre. So obviously the student numbers are, uh, must be on the way up, as they say. And talking about housing, we've got the, uh, this is the one that's caused a few problems, which is, uh, you know, makes me sort of annoyed, you know, all these kind of sort of redneck type people, to, you know, complaining about refugees who are escaping, you know, from war-torn countries. And this is mostly Ukraine we're talking about here. The Offer a Home scheme had um, over a thousand offers of un- unoccupied properties since it was introduced two months ago. And I drive to find accommodation for Ukrainian students and, sort of, and vacant homes, etc., etc. Uh, you know, they're going to be sort of using them for accommodation. Property owners who participate in the scheme receive a state payment of €800 Euro, uh, per month, tax-free. The Department of Housing said there had been 1,158 offers of unoccupied uh, properties over the last eight weeks. Local authorities have made contact with 1,077 of the offers, and of those 179 properties have been allocated, providing a home for 618 Ukrainians. Under the initiative, local authorities take offers of properties on the Offer a Home website and liaise with owners of ex- uh, to access suitability. To access a suitability, spokesperson for the Department of Children, Equality, Disability and Integration uh, said Ireland is now accommodating seventy five thousand four hundred ten people between uh, those fleeing Ukraine and the international protection uh, applicants. So good on them. Uh, and almost 20,000 international protection students are currently in the International Protection Accommodation Service accommodation. This compares with 8,000 at the beginning of 2022. Spokesman said the government agreed that a move from an emergency response to a more mainstream uh, approach is appropriate, including a, redu- a reduced reliance on service to accommodation. This includes an increased focus on rapid building and a new call for vacant homes led by the local councils. That's right, I think it was in England where vacant houses, if they're vacant for six months, uh, the rates of the property owner went up. You know, they either they had to put it on the market or else, uh, you know, open it up for accommodation for, you know, anyone who basically wanted but mostly homeless people, they had to do that or else their rates were going to go, you know, local authorities could uh, up the rates uh, just to put a, I suppose a bit of pressure on them, but also, I mean, they're just vacant homes, why not use them? Uh, building modular homes is among uh, is also among the government's initiatives to provide accommodation for refugees. In a statement this evening, the, the Office of Public Works said it is on track to deliver the first lot of over 200 rapid-built homes in early to mid-2023 to provide accommodation for approximately 800 Ukrainians. It said a second load of sites for the installation of the balance of 500 homes is currently being accessed for suitability and will be finalised over the coming weeks. That's good. They're just sort of these modular homes. That's what's going to happen, you know, which is happening already, you know, but eventually something like that will come over to New Zealand with our sort of um, housing crisis of affordable accommodation with modular homes, just like they had after the war. They had prefabs and they were sort of, you know, they were okay, prefabs. And like I said, I used to see them in Belfast and I had friends that lived in them and they were homes. It was just they were easier to put together, like kit set, but they worked. And a lot of people were happy living in them. You know, I mean, they lived there for quite some time. It wasn't as if they wanted to move on because they were affordable. It was one of the, another reason for staying there. 
Father Mag, uh, Father Peter McVeary of the Peter McVeary Trust, Housing and Hopeless Charity. While I support much of what the government is doing, they're not it's, uh, doing it too slow and too little. It's a, it's a usual argument, isn't it? He said more modular homes are needed, uh, saying that uh, that they can be built in twelve weeks. The government has ordered seven hundred. Why not seven thousand? You can have them in place by the end of the year. So good on your father, but it's like everything else. You know, everybody expects the government to do everything. Oh, government should be doing this, and the government should do it. But at the end of the day, it's all about tax. You know, most people do not want to pay any more income tax than what they already pay, and that's how they, you know, uh, wrestle between what you have and what you haven't got. And uh, you know, people like this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, I mean, if the tax is not there, it's not going to happen, really. And as the people are prepared to dip into their pockets and pay a bit more, and uh, you know, to, to resolve some of the the issues. Even some of these issues are we have them here in uh, New Zealand. I hear people listening, you know, what, watching TV, complain. Oh, the government should be doing this. They should do that. We need to do this. But you know, nobody ever talks about where the money's going to come from. I mean, it's, there's only a certain amount of it that can go. Anyway, 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 this is immigration once again. Uh, Ireland's hundred thousand immigration crisis. Irish abroad reveal only only regret as five sectors are crippled. This is. A lot of young Irish people who are just moving, moving out, moving out of Ireland for various reasons, uh, which we will sort of delve into in a minute. More than a hundred thousand young people have left Ireland for Australia and Canada in the last five years, and many of the fleeing workers are saying the only regrets I didn't leave sooner. So much for loyalty to your country of birth. Ireland is suffering an immigration crisis as doctors, nurses, teachers, engineers, social workers, and construction workers set their sights on a better life. Australian-based teacher Caroline Mc, uh, McKenna uh, tried working for you in England after qualifying and told the Irish son, I thought, this is really, there's got to be a better life than this. I was lately working around the clock and I just thought, I can't believe it. I've studied all these years on, on all this money, including my student loan, and to think that I have to still sort of work, you know, with very un, underpaid work, under underpaid salaries. Uh, in the first nine months, there was a turnover of 7% of nurses, midwives, up 6% uh, la- on last year, and 8% of dentists and doctors, up 7.6%. This is the people who are just moving on. This equates with over 3,000 staff in areas employing over 50,000 people. The Irish Sun can reveal that over 63,000 Irish people have moved to Australia since 2018, with 13,000 of those uh, on skilled long-term visas. So they've got no chance of coming back or no intention of coming back. The number of people on temporary uh, working visas uh, for under 30s has almost doubled from just 10,000 to nearly 19,000 this year. Almost 38,000 Irish workers were granted visas to work in Canada, etc., etc. Uh, more than 10,000 a year were heading over uh, before that two-year COVID lull. They were heading over there before that COVID but by uh, November last year, the numbers stood at 8,000, according to the Canadian data. And yet, there's all these people with all these uh, Ukrainians, refugees, many of them highly skilled people, and they're sort of uh, being treated like dirt and etc. And they make up the the population of, of, of what they, the people that they need to fill up some of these positions. And because like everywhere else, Ireland is seeing... Uh, uh, a big increase in people who are retired and overseas workers are going to be retired just like New Zealand. Everyone is going to need them. And to get back to uh, Dublin again, 
female members of the parliament to, to make to tackle abuse and threats, just like the stuff that's been happening, you know, towards Jacinda Ardern, you know, the abuse and the hate speeches that she has had uh, put up with, basically. Uh, Doyle has invited all female MPs to a meeting next month to discuss the rising level of threats and abuse they receive with the new cross-party workforce set to follow. The meeting has been organised and has been provisionally arranged for January, uh, February rather, the 22nd. Senior members of the, the Gardaí, the police, will be present, as well as psychologists who will be there to discuss the mentalities of the perceptions of such abuse. Headbangers, that's the best way to describe them. Bloody headbangers. A source said that it is uh, likely that a cross-party group will then set up uh, to formalise the proposals making uh, during the meeting. Female politicians will be invited to give their experiences and outline their proposals to tackle the issue. Following that, there is a widespread expectation that an all-party group will be set up to, sign up to submit formal proposals to government on how to tackle abuse and assure women are not discouraged from entering politics. That's a good point, actually. You know, I mean, stop people, women, and uh, women, from actually thinking that uh, you know, I'd like to serve my country or do my bit for my community, and this is going to put them off. The idea for a cross-party uh, task force was first raised in uh, the government by Labour leader, uh, and uh, was supported by the, the deputy prime minister. The woman for election group has have also called for such a task force, which examine how to address the growing. Uh, level of harmful and hateful, um, you know, abuse, particularly stuff online. The all-party group, I think people do this stuff online, they're just kind of gutless, totally gutless. They never put their name to anything. You just, I mean, it's just, whether they actually believe what they're writing, they're just doing it to be mischievous is another matter. The all-party group for task force would likely set up on an ad hoc basis, as opposed to an established committee that would be fully supported by the government. The meeting and proposal for the new group came after five female politicians spoke to the Irish Times about the level of abuse and threats they are dealing with. Pons spoke of finding bullet shells on their floor, of receiving pornographic letters, death threats, and of being intimidated in their constituency office or being advised to stop uh, holding clinics altogether. And also their families were uh, under threat because of all this. You know, their, their husbands, wives, well, they're mostly in this case, their husbands and their children. We will have this discussion to see what comes out of it, because at the end of the day, these members know best. Separately, politicians can receive up to 5,000 uh, euros uh, to the cost of instantly installing new security systems on... On foot of a fresh on on foot of a fresh recommendation from the house, a government house decision from the Department of uh, Public Expenditure is eminent on the, the request, which would see the government make a contribution between three and five thousand euros on costs such as CCTV, um, extra alarms, and other security measures. It's just, I mean, it's just kind of, I suppose it's a sign of the times that we sort of uh, end up in. I mean, this is, uh, I just feel that there, there would seem to be uh, an orchestrated campaign of hate towards Jacinda Ardern. And the minority of these rednecks appear to be reliant on attention, such as Dracula was on blood. It's a classic example of willful blindness. So uh, hopefully, I'm almost certain uh, Jacinda Ardern will be pleased. Yeah, you know, she'd like to be still Prime Minister, I would have presumed, and carry on with the great work that she was doing. But I think she will be that, not that unhappy to get away from all these, uh, you know, sort of basically rednecks and people who are not very nice. 
who are gutless in many respects, like I said earlier. And for something completely different, West Mayo uh, business that closed after 99 years. A Mayo business has been in operation for nearly a century, has announced it as to close its door. JJ Glynn's on Shop Street in Westport, uh, New Westport in the Westland, you know, Galway area, announced that the decision on a social media uh, like the business will close on in the coming weeks, having been operating there for 99 years. Due to the, the economic downturn in business in the last few years, it's hard to sustain, and the best way forward is to close and move on, unfortunately. We have seen business in Westport for 90, we've been in business for Westport for 99 years, through four generations, and we have developed a great relationship with our customers over the years. We are very grateful to everyone who supported us throughout the years, even going back to 1924 until, nine, uh, until 2023. Isn't that amazing? We will miss the crack in the side and the social side of uh, serving the public and everything that goes with it. But time comes and it's um, hard for business right now with the prices increasing and costs constantly rising just to sustain a business. And also online stuff has actually done a lot of harm. I think a lot of retail traders because that's still... You know, Seems to be the norm for a lot of people to, when they're buying stuff is just online. And the damage that does to retail shops, you know, it's your community. It sort of wipes them out in some ways. Uh, what have we got here? Oh, this is something that's close to my heart here in uh, Palmerston North, because I just think it's Palmerston North. I walk the dog quite a lot. And I just think, something, you know, the litter that's land around, it's not massive, but it shouldn't be there in the first place. And I just see, I call it, you know, Palmerston, the dirty old town. Because they had that there, you know, a, a palmy pride, but that sort of seemed to have gone by the board. I mean, it was a kind of soundbite for a couple of weeks, made the papers, boom, and disappeared. Without kind of any kind of, not so much follows it, but, you know, keeping the whole thing going every six months, you know, put in some more adverts or whatever. To remind people. Anyway, that's just me. Registration is open for the eighth uh, edition of the largest one-day cleanup in Ireland. Team Limerick is set to take place on Good Friday, April seventh, at locations across Limerick City and County. Funders of the Team Limerick of Initiative: J.P. McManus, Paul O'Connell, and Helen O'Donnell, featuring a new uh, launch video which showcases Limerick. Uh, something good on them. The volunteers are from all walks of life, from schools, colleges, GAA clubs, and the Monster Rugby uh, rugby people to businesses, charities, nursing homes, and well-known faces, and the general public at large. Sponsored by the J.P. McManus Benevolent Fund and supported by Limerick City and County Council, it has, it has seen over 400 tonnes of litter gathered by, uh, in the streets by volunteers. And each uh, partner, uh, Mr. in each event, partner, Mr. Binman, since its inception there way back in 2015. Wow, that's just amazing. Uh, coming on the, the launch, Paul O'Connell, uh, the t- Team Limerick Cleanup Man, is a great chance for the communities involved to come in and develop a sense of pride. Yes, and that's what it's all about. You know, this is your town, whether what part of it you live in, but this is where you live, and this is your home. And a lot of people now were born, bred, and buttered in Palmas North and should, uh, you know, show a bit of appreciation that this is where they live, their children, grandchildren. And there's not much wrong with trying to keep the place tidy, you know. But that's just my a personal view in my point. We, where I come from, people used to be out in the streets, you know, sort of two up, two down. People would be, you um, know, I used to sweep the, the footpath and just get rid of any litter that was uh, impeding people. 
And also to keep them in, this is where they lived, etc. That was their home and it was their sort of their pride and joy. They used to say, you know, it might be a small house, but it was like a palace inside. And a Belfast chippy has been shortlisted for a prestigious, yes, prestigious national award, which honors the best fish and chip shops in the UK. Fast Fleet, uh, Fish City, sorry, which is located in Ann Street in Belfast City Centre, has been nominated for Fish and Chip Restaurant of the Year. Opened in 2013, Fish uh, City is best known for its prime location and offerings of fresh, locally sourced fish. It previously took uh, the Sea Fish Regional Award for Fish and Chips of the Year way back there in 2014. The National Fish and Chip Awards have been running for 30 years and organised by the National Federation of Fish Friars. Yes, Fish Friars. There are 10 categories, including Best Newcomer, Best Takeaway and Best Restaurant. This year's awards will be uh, will take place on February the 23rd at the Plaza at the Park Plaza Westminster Bridge in London. Wow. And will be hosted by comedian Jason Manford. Uh, the president said we're looking forward to, just look forward to celebrating, you know, the best in British fish and chips. Uh, fish City offers an, uh, an evening and lunch menu and also does takeaways. Dinners can also enjoy, uh, diners can also enjoy outdoor seating right in the heart of one of the city's busiest streets. This is Ann Street in the centre of Belfast. So that is, uh, that's basically me for this week. So uh, I'll be back next week, okay? Until then, take care and be kind to one another. And enjoy the weather while we have it, because the schools are starting back. Once they get going, that's when we have a lot more consistent of summer, you know, summer weather. Anyway, until then, take care, okay? And God bless. Bye. If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.